Welcome to the Comic Web Superman Old Time Radio Podcast, where each week we bring you an exciting radio episode from the early years of the Man of Steel. The Comic Web sells old time radio programs and comic books. Comic Web also offers two other podcasts. One is a variety of old time radio programs, and the other is a video podcast of old movie serial cliffhangers. You can find them on our website, comicweb.com, or just type Comic Web into iTunes and you should find them. Now just sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Superman. Thank you. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Yes, fellows and girls, here is an important message for you. A message that comes direct from our fighting Marines in the Solomon Islands. A message echoed by the Blue Jackets on the high seas, by the boys who have won the right to wear the Army and Navy wings, by our troops in Africa, our commandos in England. In fact, by every man in the American Armed Forces, no matter where he may be. And here's the message. We're going to win this war. We're going to wipe Hitlerism and fascism off the face of this earth. We've taken on the job, and we're going to see it through to the finish. But we can't do it alone. We can't do it without the help of every boy and girl and every man and woman back home. Of course, we all know what that means. We know the one way we can help those boys fight this war to a victorious finish is to see that they get all the guns and tanks and ships and planes they need. But those things require a lot of money, and that's where you and I come in. We help our government to buy those war materials by lending our money, by buying all the war stamps we possibly can as often as we can. Why, right at this moment, we have American fighting men on the new front. And they're equipped with guns and tanks and protected by planes and ships that you help to buy. That is, if you've been buying war-saving stamps regularly. This makes buying war-saving stamps pretty exciting, doesn't it? Let's make a promise to ourselves right now. Let's promise to buy war-saving stamps regularly as often as we can. Tell mother and dad about it. See if you can't get them to give you a dime a day for a war stamp. Or a dime every other day. Remember that every dime is important because 10 cents will buy five 45 caliber bullets to be used by our soldiers, sailors, and Marines. Five dimes will buy enough fuel oil to take an American destroyer one full mile closer to its objective. And a dime a day from all the fellows and girls in the United States will buy enough fast pursuit planes to blast Hitler's Luftwaffe out of the sky. So start right now to do your share to help win this war. And now the adventures of Superman. Superman and his companions in adventure, Perry White, Lois Lane, and young Jimmy Olsen, are staying at Sebastian Beauvais' hunting lodge in northern Canada, trying to clear up the mystery of the headless Indian, a weird apparition that has slowly been driving the superstitious Beauvais out of his mind. Also a guest at the lodge is Niles Graham, a sinister character known as the Laugher, who has sworn to do away with Kent and his companions. In our last episode... We heard how White narrowly escaped death when a bullet fired at him by the laugher grazed his temple. It is now early the following morning. A bitter wind is howling outside the hunting lodge, and the snow-covered landscape can barely be seen, for the sun has not yet come up. Perry White stirs on his bed, moans a little, and sits up. Oh, oh, my head. Where in the world am I? 
Now, what happened? You're all right, Mr. White. Don't try to get up. What? Uh, is that you, Jimmy Olson? Yes, sir. Well, what are you doing here? Great heavens. Can't I even wake up without finding you sitting by my bedside? Well, gosh, Mr. White, Oh, I... forget it, forget it, forget it. Now, what's happened? Where am I? Why is my head aching so? Well, you had an accident last night. Accident? What sort of a... Oh. Now it comes back. Now, let me see. We were all sitting talking to Sebastian when suddenly we heard a wolf howl, the Wendigo, Sebastian called it. That's right. And then we saw the headless Indian. A headless Indian riding a big white horse and glowing like he was on fire. Yeah. Now, let me see. Didn't Sebastian say something about... Oh, uh, he was going to die or something? Yes, sir. You and I had to hold him down to keep him from getting to the window. If he had seen that headless Indian, it would have been the third time. That meant Sebastian was finished. Yeah, that's right, that's right. It's coming back to me now. The howl of that Indian through the night seemed to attract him, to fascinate him. But we didn't let him see the apparition the third time, so he's all right for the time being. Then it seems to me that Kent and I followed the tracks of the Indian's horse in the snow. That's right. You and Mr. Kent went out leaving me with Sebastian. Next thing I knew, about an hour later, a knock came at the door. When I opened it, there stood Mr. Kent carrying you in his arms. What? Nonsense. No, sir, it's true. Why was Kent carrying me? Someone fired a shot at you while you were in the woods and it grazed your temple. You don't know how close to death you came last night. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let, let me think, Jimmy. Great, Scott. Now I recall the whole thing. Kent and I followed those tracks right to the edge of a canyon, from which point the horse seemed to have sprouted wings and flown off into the sky. Gosh. Now, mind you, the hoof prints of that horse got lighter and lighter until finally they ceased to exist at all. Golly, Mr. White, that's amazing. Unless... Unless what? You remember when we were out west last year up in the logging country? How I walked out into the snow one night and my footprint suddenly stopped in the snow? Like I jumped into the air and hadn't come down? Yes. But the explanation to that was that the man who stole a pair of your shoes made the marks in the snow with them himself and then backtracked on them. You can't make a horse backtrack, Jim. No, I suppose not. But leap in macro, Mr. White. You don't really mean that horse took off like a... like an airplane with the headless Indian on his back. Well, that's what the tracks showed. Either that or both horse and rider plunged to their deaths in that canyon. And I don't believe that for a minute because, well... Yes, sir? Because, Jim, some sort of trick is being played here. Someone is trying to drive Sebastian out of his mind. Or if not that, to frighten him away from the lodge. Probably the same person who fired that bullet at you last night. Yeah, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. So, Kent carried me all the way back to the lodge, did he? <laughs> Good for him. He's more of a man than I thought he was. Mm, what time is it? Mm, a little after six o'clock. Uh, morning or evening? Morning. Well, then, I, I might as well get up. Oh, I'll help you, sir. You're, you're sort of all tied up in the bedclothes. You did a lot of tossing around all night. Yes, I usually do. Fretful sleeper, always was... Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, how do you know I was tossing around all night? Well, I... I was here all night. You were here all night? In this room? Yes, sir, I... Well, I thought maybe you might need something. You know, like a glass of water or something like that. Did I do the wrong thing, Mr. White? Oh, no. Uh, no. Uh, not at all, my boy. Oh, I thought maybe you... Uh, look here. Look here, boy. You you couldn't have had any sleep all night. Oh, I dozed off every now and then. I feel great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for staying up with me. Uh, do you think you ought to get up, Mr. White? You had a pretty bad night, and it's kind of early to be getting up. Nobody else is up. It's not early for a woodsman, Jim. But you were shot. You're wounded. Uh, that doesn't amount to a row of beans. 
Yesterday, I promised myself I'd start out with my camera bright and early this morning and try to get some snapshots of animals, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. You're really going out into the woods with your camera? Wild horses couldn't stop me. Gosh. Now, you get my hunting pants and boots out of that closet, Jim Boy. Uh, My woolen socks are on this chair over here, and I'll be best out in the woods before you can say Jack Robinson. Yes, sir. Well, first, out of these pajamas and into that heavy woolen shirt. Oh, hunting we will go, hunting we will go. This is going to be a great treat for me. I haven't prowled through the woods alone with a camera for years. Here are your hunting things. Uh, Thank you, boy, thank you. You, uh, do you always like to go alone? Do I like to go alone? Well, of course I like to go alone. Wouldn't go any other way. Did Daniel Boone take anyone with him on the long hunt? Did Leatherstocking let anybody come with him into the forest? Why, I should say not. Go it alone. Yes, sir. That's the... That's the, uh... The only way, uh... To do it. A, uh... Alone. Oh. Uh-huh. What, uh... You, uh... Hmm... You want to go? Oh, gosh, could I, Mr. White? Could uh, I? Another... Oh, yes, yes. Oh, golly, leap and mackerel. That's great. Yeah, My gosh, I have... Quiet, you little imp. You want to wake up everyone in the lodge? If you do, they'll all want to go. Oh, golly, I'm sorry. I didn't think... Well, think next time. Well, I'll be dressed in a jiffy. You hurry up and get those hunting things on that Kent bought for Oh, yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. I'll be back in no time. No time at all. Oh! Didn't I tell him to be quiet? The blasted little... <laughs> Sat by my bed all night. All night. Leaping mackerel. It's freezing cold out here in these woods, Mr. White. You've got to get used to it, boy. If you're to become a woodsman. Like Daniel Boone and Leatherstocking? That's right. They must have been tough men. Yes, they certainly were. Daniel Boone must have been a, well, a sort of superman of his time, huh? Well, that's one way of putting it. I suppose he... Wait a minute. What is it? Quiet, you quiet. Uh, I missed it. Mr. White. Uh, great George boy, didn't you see them? Three deer standing on the trail ahead. A buck and two doe. The most beautiful set of horns that I've ever seen. Oh, gee, I'm sorry. Oh, what a picture that would have made. Well, there's no sense crying about it. I guess I'm just not a woodsman. Well, you will be. You just stick to old Perry White and you'll learn to read signs like a veteran. Gosh. What was it you meant before? You you said Daniel Boone went on what you call the long hunt. The long hunt, Jim? Well, the long hunt was... Yeah, let's stop here for a second while I light up a pipe. Gosh, I've never seen you with a pipe before. You always smoke cigars. A pipe in the woods, boy. Cigars just don't fit in. Here, uh, hold this rifle. Well, why do you carry a rifle, Mr. White, if you're not going to shoot anything, except with a camera? Just as a protection, Jim. You never can tell when you may meet an ornery kind of animal in the woods. A wildcat or a bear or something like that. Oh. Yeah. Give me the rifle. Yes, sir. So, you want to know what the long hunt was, eh? Gosh, yes. Well... Daniel Boone used to set out into the wilderness uh, with enough food to last maybe a week, and he wouldn't come back for six months. Six months? That's right. He'd be in the woods all that time, hunting, trapping, trading with the Indians. He lived on the game he killed, uh, traded the skins to the Indians for trinkets and salt and other things. (laughs) But he got just enough to live on. And after six months or so, he'd return to the stockade with a pack of skins on his back, and he'd trade those skins in at the general store for enough food and clothing to keep him through the next six months. Gosh, how could a man live in the woods all that time, all by himself? It can be done, anyhow, Boone did it. 
Well, come on, let's get started again. Uh, can I carry the rifle? Uh, may I carry the rifle? May I carry the rifle? No. Yes, sir. You're too young yet to handle firearms, Jim. Many a boy is hurt, yes, and many a man, too, because he doesn't know how to handle guns properly. Guns are dangerous, Jim, and you've got to know how to use them, loaded or unloaded. Yes, sir. <gasps> what was that, Mr. White? <laughs> Just a partridge getting up. Oh, golly, it made me jump. <laughs> yes, partridges are like that. Hey, they wait till you get past them and then off they go. Now, let's see. That partridge must have been sitting watching us back there, way back there by that tree. Never mind back there. Look what's on the trail ahead. There's a picture. What's that? You... Here, take this camera, quick. Sure, but but why? You take the pictures. I want to have this rifle handy. It's just a bear. I saw bears like that in Yellowstone Park when I was there. It's not exactly the kind of bear you find in Yellowstone, Jim. It's a grizzly. Uh, one of the largest I've seen, but it's not tame. There's nothing to be scared of, is there? Well, the bear's coming this way, and they... Look, he sees us. She's getting up on his hind legs. Sleeping mackerel, look at that mouth. Here, get behind me. What, what? Get behind me, I said. That bear, he's coming toward that us. That bear means business. I've got to shoot. Well, here it goes. Jim! Mr. White, what's it? The bear's coming straight for us, and this rifle isn't loaded. Its hairy, muscular arms outstretched, its monstrous mouth agape, the great grizzly rushes toward Jimmy and Perry White. White, with Jimmy behind him, stands waiting helplessly, an empty rifle in his hand. In a matter of seconds, the grizzly... But no, let's wait and see what happens in tomorrow's episode. Be sure to listen, same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman. Fellows and girls, don't ever get the idea there's nothing you can do to help win this war. Of course, we can't all be members of Uncle Sam's armed forces because, well, because some of us are too young or too old. But that doesn't mean we can't get in this fight. No, sir, because there's one big important thing we can do. We've got to see that our fighters are supplied with all the bullets and guns and tanks and ships and planes they need to wipe Hitlerism and fascism off the face of the earth. How do we do that? By buying all the war-saving stamps and bonds we possibly can. Because every time we buy a war-saving stamp or bond, we lend our government money with which to finance our fight. So remember, talk with Mother and Dad tonight about giving you an extra dime every day or every other day for war-saving stamps. And buy extra stamps from your regular weekly allowance, too. Talk about it with all your friends. Get them to make a pledge with you to buy war-saving stamps regularly. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. This is Mutual.